Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good evening, everybody. It's uh, Juneteenth in the United States. Uh, That's the 19th of June, uh, a holiday, not yet, but uh, maybe sometime soon. Anyway, it's a day when uh, African Americans and uh, many people of color uh, support them in this, celebrate uh, the date when the people who were enslaved, African descendants who were enslaved in the state of Texas, uh, officially got news uh, that uh, they were no longer enslaved, that they were free, okay, you know, as far as being politically free. Uh, and so it's it's celebrated as Juneteenth. And um, it's not something which is taught in the American schools. <clears throat> it's not something which is really spoken about. In fact, I bet you that right now, even though it's Juneteenth, that most radio stations in the United States are not even even talking about it. But then you can have something like Columbus Day, and um, it's all over the place. So uh, we just want to go ahead and start out the broadcast saying that uh, I am your humble host, Dr. Richard Gladiator Johnson, the Dapper Donna Spiritual Kung Fu, often imitated, never duplicated. And this is the PowerPoint to Victory Radio podcast, and we're broadcasting on the Survivor Radio Christian Network. We do radio 2 million downloads strong. My engineer tonight, Rosalind Cooper, doing a grand job as per usual. Our topic tonight is going to be a long Similar lines, I just mentioned Columbus, uh, 19 June 2020, conservatives versus liberals, the fight over statues and flags. What does the Bible say about statues or what does the Bible call graven images? American liberals are fighting to remove statues that glorify the enslavement of human beings. Why are conservative Christians fighting to keep these symbols of slavery of Africans by white Americans. Uh, Where did they come from, these statues I'm talking about? Where did they come from, and uh, 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 why are they wrong according to the Bible? So we're going to get into some of that. Obviously, in one hour, we can't cover everything. Once again, we do our best to research everything. I always say, don't believe the gladiator. Go out and research for yourself. The only thing I'm doing is I'm opening a door into different rooms for you to stick your head into and recognize that, you know, here's this information, and then go seek it out for yourself. 
Now, we're going to begin by speaking about uh, some of the things about what is a conservative, what is a liberal, not like a Webster's Dictionary, but just general stuff, and some of the history uh, of the Christians coming from Europe, why it is that Christianity as a religion is automatically a white supremacy religion. It's, It's just automatic, and we're going to get into that right after we take our first commercial break. Don't go away. We'll be back in two minutes. The PowerPoints of Victory Podcast, we're talking tonight about conservatives versus liberals, the fight over statues and flags. My question is, since conservatives say that they're walking according to the Bible, well, what does the Bible say about this? We'll be back in two minutes. Don't go away. Roz, you got the helm. If your company needs a voiceover professional, call me at 646-504-1376. I'm Dane Reed. That's 646-504-1376. I'm there for you when you need live announcing for events, company voicemails, commercials, professional voiceovers for important videos, voicemails, and anything else your company might need. Call me at 646-504-1376. Interested in doing voiceovers? I also do consultations. Looking for a cafe with a home-like appeal where all who enter feel like they are part of something? Visit My Coffee Shop, located in East Lake, Atlanta, Georgia. MCS has a full breakfast and lunch menu, offering both hot and cold options, and is home of the amazing basil lemonade. But don't forget their assortment of freshly brewed coffees. Come on by at 2462 Memorial Drive, Atlanta, Georgia, 30317. We're pretty sure my coffee shop at East Lake will become your coffee shop, too. You may have heard the phrase, deals are done on the golf course, but do you know how that happens? The book Nine Holes, Nine Goals will provide hole-by-hole guidance on what to do and mistakes to avoid during a round of business golf. Pre-order your copy today at 9holes9goals.com because closing deals on the golf course is no longer just a phrase. You can do it too. SRN Survival Radio Network. Okay, I am your humble host, Dr. Richard Gladiator Johnson, the Dapper Donna Spiritual Kung Fu, often imitated, never duplicated. This is the PowerPoint to Victory Radio broadcast, broadcasting on the Survivor Radio Christian Network. We do radio, 2 million downloads strong. My engineer tonight, Rosalind Cooper. Our topic, once again, we're speaking about, and give me just a second. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, conservatives versus liberals, the fight over statues and flags in the United States going on right now. Okay. So we, what the goal of where we're going with this, this, this podcast tonight so that, you know, people understand number one, 
where did these statues come from? Where did this these these flags, this Confederate flag is the one I'm talking about, the stars and bars, where did this stuff come from? Why is it here in the United States today? Why is it these these statues are all in the the state, uh, the U.S. Uh, government, federal, uh, in Washington D.C. Why are these statues in places like Baltimore when uh, you know Maryland was actually fighting for the Union? So you know why do they have Confederate flags up there, uh, Confederate uh, uh, statues? Places like New York, uh, many of the other northern states and stuff. Where did this stuff come from? All right, and I think in order for people to understand the the religious side of it, because that's basically it's a religious issue versus a spiritual issue is what I'm dealing with. We have to understand what happened in order to bring us to this point. The biggest problem that people have is that they don't know the backstory. They just know what's going on right now. I bet you most people can't tell you what they ate for dinner three or four nights ago. Okay. And that's how it is with history. People are arguing about what's going on now and they don't understand where stuff came from so that they can have an intelligent discussion about it or come to an intelligent conclusion as to why something is right or something is wrong. All right. So uh, let me just go through some quick notes. Give me just a moment. Okay. So let's talk about Christianity as a religion to begin with. All right. So, you know, Jesus Christ comes and he goes. All right. However he came, however he went, that's not the topic for tonight. He comes and he goes. And then uh, about 80 to 100 years after he is gone, uh, people document what becomes the four Gospels, all right, in your Bible. Now, just for information's sake, let me share something with you. Those, uh, 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 even Muslims recognize Jesus as a prophet, which is the same thing that people of the Jewish faith recognize Jesus as, a prophet, okay? They don't recognize him as the, quote-unquote, son of God, all right? But Christians recognize him as the son of God. Now, all right, so I just want to, you know, I'm just let it kind of bring that out there so we, we kind of understand. All right, so, 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 so we wind up with this religion, which is created in Europe in what is now called Italy, because Italy really wasn't around until about the time of Mussolini, okay? So we're talking after World War I, or maybe just before that time. You know, it's not a country that's been around forever, all right? I just want to make that clear. This is not like France and England and the Netherlands and so forth. Italy is a recent country as far as Europe is concerned. So in 325 AD, all right, a a dictator called Constantine, all right, in in, in, in history he's called emperor, but he was a dictator. He decides he wants to create a national religion so he can impose this on everybody because he's, he's fought to become the dictator of the Western Roman Empire, okay? Because by that time, you, you know, you had things, things were kind of breaking up, all right, with, with the Roman Empire. So he, he wants to impose this. He needs something to bring everybody together because by that time, there are all these different Hellenistic-based religions, all right? And a good person to find out about that is a Dr. Richard Carrier. You can look him up on YouTube. He's got a lot of a lot of YouTube videos out there, and he can give you the backdrop on all of that. All right. So you've got all these different religions running around, and this dictator he wants one religion to unify the culture, and so he brings these bishops and he makes a deal, and he says 
you put together this religion, we'll stop persecuting you, and we're going to put you people in charge of religion. Bam, they jump on it, and they come up with something called Christianity at the Council of Nicaea, N-I-C-E-A, and that's 325 A.D. You may find that it's 325 C.E., okay? All right, so this is a, a, a religion from Europe, okay? Now, whatever was going on as far as people getting along, different ethnic groups and what have you back then, it's not the topic of tonight. It's not on the table. What is on the table is that at some point, the Europeans discover, find out, realize that there's places like the continent of Africa, and that would be the Portuguese. Now, I'm not going to split this up into who's a Catholic and who's a this and who's a that. If they're coming out of the Bible, I'm calling them a Christian, okay, for the sake of tonight's discussion. Okay, so the Portuguese were Christians. They just called themselves Catholics, which meant that they owed their loyalty to another dictator called a pope. Okay, that was their leader. And I was raised Catholic. That's my breeding. And I was taught that the pope is Jesus Christ, God on earth. Okay, so whatever he says, that's the law. All right. Okay, so, 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 so here we got these Portuguese. And they go down the west coast of Africa. All right. And if you look at maps from the 1950s into the early 1960s, you see areas called the Gold Coast and the Ivory Coast and the Slave Coast. All right. And so these are names that were designated because the reason why the European Christians got in their, their boats with their cannon and their rifles, their muskets, whatever they were called then, and started going all over the world was because they wanted to go to war with one another, okay? Think of Spanish Armada, 1588, Spain goes to war against England, all right, the UK. <clears throat> that would be the Catholic Christians going against the Protestant uh, Christians of England, all right? So everybody wants to get rich. All of these leaders, all of these emperors, all of these, these kings and queens, they want money, and they find out that, hey, there are these people in other parts of the world, and they've got stuff that we can steal because we've got guns and cannons in these big ships, and they don't, okay? So we go into uh, 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 the, the European expansion, all right? So the Bible teaches, before we get into that, let's back up a little bit. Bible actually teaches that everyone is equal in God's kingdom. This is New Covenant. The Lord's Prayer says, in part, let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So where am I going with all of this conversation I'm going to be doing tonight? The fact that why is it that conservative Christians support racism, bigotry, and second-class citizenship when the book says that everybody is equal? And in order to understand that, why they support this stuff, we have to get into where does this come from, okay? All right, all right, all right, so walk with me on this. So the white Europeans, they begin to move around the world. And so the religious system that they take with them automatically changes into, since everyone they meet is either brown or red, 
or yellow or whatever complexion that they chose to call these people, they were not European slash white. Okay? So we come up with this white God the Father. We come up with this white Jesus Christ. And we come up with this white supremacy religion. Because in order to subjugate and, and enslave a population, you have to destroy their culture. Remember, the dictator, Constantine, needed to subjugate everybody in his empire so that he would be strong. So he needed one religion to impose on everybody. So from the beginning, 325 AD, amongst the Europeans, they were busy imposing their religion. Okay, And it started out with what we know today as the Roman Catholic Church. That church split and blah, blah, and that's a story for another podcast, which I've already done. All right, so the Europeans are busy moving around the world. Now, let's look at the European family structure and power structure. Okay, You had basically two sets of people. They taught in their religion that if you were of noble blood, however they qualified that statement, that was ordained by gods, that you were noble blood, and you could never become a noble person because you didn't come from noble blood. And a good example of a movie that demonstrates that is The Son of Monte Cristo. There's two versions out there. There's the original one, and then there's a remake. But in both of them, there's a fight scene with swords at the end between this count, whatever his name was, and the guy that the count had put in prison for, and the, and the guy escaped, so he was in prison like 14 years, okay? And they get down to this big fight at the end, and the guy who's supposed to be of noble blood makes the statement, it doesn't matter that you've got all this money, you are not of noble blood. And that's where that kind of mindset came from. So in Europe, they had already uh, split themselves up into these two different groups based on a, a religion that they said made one group supreme over the other. Now, what happens is when a father dies and he's a nobleman and he's got a lot of money and so forth, everything goes to the oldest son. So what happens to the second son, the third son, the fourth son? What happens to the daughters? Well, let's talk about the sons, all right? The S-O-N, the sons of these wealthy people, whether they're a baron, a count, a lord, a baron, it doesn't matter what their name was. Once they were in this upper class, and they were not the inheritor, they either fought amongst themselves and killed each other, or now that they've got boats going to the other parts of the world, they wanted to go out and help uh, take over other people's stuff in the name of this white God that they believed in, based upon white supremacy Christianity. Now, it didn't matter whether they were a Lutheran, whether they were a Roman Catholic, whether they were an Anglican, didn't matter. Everything was hooked together by this white supremacy concept. So whether they went to the West Indies or they went to South America or they went to uh, uh, you know, Canada or whether they were out in the Orient or the Pacific, didn't matter, or, or the continent of Africa, didn't matter where they went, so long as they were up against people who were not European, they weren't equal based upon a religion and what they were taught in church, in school, based upon this religion. So Christianity as a religion 
is automatically, and let me read my notes, white European supremacy is embedded in Christianity because it came from Europe and it was used to enslave the non-European world in what became known as the empire system. So when we are reading about the British Empire and the French Empire and the German Empire and the Dutch Empire, we are speaking about Christians enslaving non-white people who were not Christians, obviously because they had a different religious system when, they, when, when, when these people first showed up, okay? And whether they called it a plantation system or whatever, the local people were never considered the equal of either the, 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 the European folks or their children. So what happened over time is that when the European folks were having babies with the local people, now you had children who were partially European and partially not. And so within those cultures, you began this clash of, of what became known as caste, C-A-S-T-E, caste systems. Okay, so that you were partially European or you weren't and so forth. And how much European blood did you have? In other words, it was a remodeling of the same noble versus commoner system that started out in Europe. Remember the Count, the, the Count of Monte Cristo. Okay, I'm of noble blood. You are not. So if my father was a nobleman, that makes me a noble person, and you are not. This is what's going on amongst the local populations who the European is looking down upon as a second-class person because their religion, Christianity, says so. Okay, And remember, the whole time, the churches are getting their 10% because they're teaching that the Bible says you're supposed to give up 10%. So this whole thing is rooted on money and power and taking things from people and so forth and so on and blah, 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 bing, 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 boom, boom, boom. All right, let me turn the page. <clears throat> now, here's what goes on next. So empires were designed to extract national wealth. That is to say, the French Empire was designed to make France powerful and wealthy. The British Empire to make Britain wealthy. And, you know, uh, the Dutch Empire to make Holland wealthy. And the Belgians, they got all up in it. I mean, the Belgian uh, uh, government and, and upper class, they got all up into this stuff, okay? So this leads... All right. Oh, oh, let me finish this thought. So you have national wealth, and then you have church wealth, which I've mentioned because everybody's making money. They've got to break off the church, right? church got to get their piece of the action. And then personal wealth, as I explained. In other words, you are a third son, a second son. You're not inheriting anything. So you go over to uh, someplace, let's say you're French. So you go somewhere where the French you know, empire is, and you go there and you, whatever way, by whatever means, you establish a plantation, you enslave a local set of people through however it was called, okay? And you're making your money because you are now, you know, uh, moving cotton or sugar or rubber or some kind of something, and you're selling this stuff, you know, back to Europe for profit. And it's all about these people making money so that now you are a noble person, the third son, but you're making money. And, of course, you've got to break off the king or queen. You've got to break off the church because nobody's getting anything unless the king or queen or the church is getting their piece of the action. Are you with me? So you have a setup of local governors 
okay? I'm going to use that term because that's what was used in the British Empire, and I'm kind of, you know, familiar with that system there, all right? So you had local governors and local leaders assigned by the national government to keep control of that particular colony. That's what they were called, right? The empire system, you were in an area, it was called a colony, all right? And the local people in the colony would forever be second-class citizens. And then what they did was they would set up local people in those colonized people and break them off for a piece of the action to help those, the white European with the Christianity, to keep control of stuff. All right? So this puts the local people uh, fighting amongst themselves and so forth. And a very good example of that for my American listeners is a person such as Candace Owens, all right, who was out there saying all kinds of different things, being paid. And if you look up Candace Owens' history, she started out talking about uh, black rights and, and, and you know, uh, equality for blacks and so forth, but she wasn't making any money. And then she got a hookup. And now she's making money, uh, uh, you know, being another talking head, saying that there's something wrong with black people, but I'm okay. That's essentially what her message is. I'm one of y'all even though I'm black, all right? So this is not anything new. This is just an extension, a reapplication of what's been going on with Christianity through the empire system from way back when. Now, this leads to what's called the age of piracy. Okay, and we see this in the movies of the 1930s and the 1940s, uh, uh, where you have what were called the swashbuckler movies. You can look them up on YouTube. So you have movies like Captain Blood and uh, 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 the Black Swan. Okay, with oh I forget the the, the, the star of of the black the Black Swan, but you've got Captain Blood, Errol Flynn is in a lot of these these uh, uh, you know he stars in a lot of these movies. Uh, and what's all that about? You hear them talking about Spain fighting England and France. Another good one is Captain and Commander on the Far Side of the World with Russell Crowe. That's the British fighting the French. Okay, and and all of this is these Christians fighting one another for control of the world. So even though they don't call it the First World War. It was the First World War because it was the first time that European Christians were fighting each other for generations for control of the world because everybody wanted to expand their empire because that's how they got wealthy. See, everything was set up on steal from these non-white people or, or stop the, the white Christian over there from stealing from these uh, local non-white people, and you get paid. You get money in your pocket or you get, you know, your rank is improved, you move up in society, blah, blah, blah. White supremacy. Okay? All right. So that brings us to the age of empire. Now, uh, let's go to 1885. 1885, there's a meeting in Europe, in Berlin. And the reason is Germany, I haven't mentioned Germany's name yet, they finally get unified underneath a guy called Bismarck. Everybody's heard the, the, probably heard of the 1960 movie called Sink the Bismarck. Well, that battle cruiser was named after the same guy, Bismarck. So Bismarck unites the German states, and they become a player on the international scene. And Italy becomes, because they get united. I said before about under, uh, uh, that they united under Mussolini. I was mistaken. Uh, they got united sometime in the mid-1800s, all right? Now, we're going to get to the statues and stuff. Don't worry about this. But you've got to understand the backstory in order to get to the real story. All right. So they have this meeting, 
And what they do is because they've got all these new players, and they, it's just like like the, like the, like the mafia, you know, like the big five families in New York. They basically take a map of the world and they cut it up. You've got this area, you've got that area, you've got the next area. Now, a real good example of the impact of that kind of behavior is South America. How many people have wondered how come the whole of Central and South America speaks Spanish, but Brazil speaks Portuguese? Ever thought about that? I'll give you the answer right quick. Before, when, when Portugal and Spain, because they were the first two that really went out there with their ships going all over the place, they got ready to go to war, all right? And if you look at a map, Portugal and Spain are basically on the same little peninsula on Europe. So the Pope got in the mix. Remember I talked about the Pope wanted his piece of the action. So he didn't want these people fighting in Europe and fighting each other. He wanted them to go out there and, you know, pirate in the name of God. So he says, look, 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 look. We don't know what's out there. So I'm going to draw a line in the map. And everything to the east, okay, down in that neck of the woods, is going to belong to Portugal, and everything to the west is going to belong to Spain. And so the, the king, queen, whoever it was at that time, they said, okay. So when they went to that part of the world, they discovered, gee, most of South America is to the west of the line that the Pope drew. So Portugal had the honor of the deal and let Spain have the rest of what we now know as South America, and Portugal got what we know today as Brazil. That's how that came to be. See, so that's proof that what I'm saying is real. But check it out for yourself. All right, so uh, let's fast forward now, 1885. All right, so Italy, for example, is given what we know today as Ethiopia and Tigre and Eritrea and Somalia. So if you look on a map from the 1960s or before, you see these names. And if you go back to uh, 1930s, uh, uh, Ethiopia is not called Ethiopia. All right? I, the name escapes me at the moment, but it's not called Ethiopia. But uh, 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 we're talking about the same region. Now, in the late 1800s, Italy, therefore, takes its army, what have you, and it goes over to East Africa, and it gets ready to try to conquer the Ethiopians and the people over there, and they militarily beat the socks off of Italy. They never teach you this stuff in school. Look it up for yourself. It's real, okay? So in 1935, let's fast forward, sticking with Italy, when Mussolini uh, takes over and so forth, one of the first things he does, he takes over in the mid-1920s, one of the first things he does is he makes a deal with the Catholic Church. You support me in power, and I'm going to uh, cut out a piece of Rome, and we're going to call it the Vatican City, okay? The Vatican City, and that's like around 19 and 29. Look it up. Origin of Vatican City. Okay? That's how the Vatican City was created. There was no Vatican City before Mussolini. And guess what? Mussolini was a fascist. He was the first modern fascist on the planet. Hitler liked what he saw with, with Italy, and he adopted fascism. So Germany... Was not, the, was not a fascist country first, Italy was, and then Germany copied it from Italy. I wonder how many people were aware of that. Okay, so let's go back to 1885. So the Europeans basically go down to Africa, and they, they, they've already cut this deal on who's got what, and so this is how you wind up with England having Kenya, 
They had what we now know as Zambia, I'm sorry, Zimbabwe, uh, South Africa, all of this stuff, and there were other areas as well. Uh, Germany had what we now know as Namibia, which was called Southwest Africa, okay, or maybe called South, Southwest, yeah, I think it was called Southwest Africa back in the 1960s. Now, this is how these, these European powers wound up there in uh, 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 Africa. Right? France got parts of the north section, North Africa, Morocco, this kind of thing. Check it out for yourself. Uh, I don't have a lot of details, you know, just to, to give you accurate information on that. But that's the general deal. All right. So now <clears throat> they're doing their thing in Africa, and Germany decides that it wants to become a major naval power. And so uh, Russia has come to the table, and they want a piece of the action. Right? In the meantime, and, Ru- and Japan has come to the table, and Russia and Japan, they have a war. I think it's 1904. They have this big fight, and Japan kicks Russia's backside in some big naval battle. <clears throat> in the meantime, uh, uh, you've got the Dutch East Indies, and, and, and you know the Germans are over in the Pacific, and the Dutch are in the Pacific, and the British are in the Pacific. You know, everybody's all over the place. So we come to World War One because there's another empire, Christian, on the table I haven't mentioned yet. It's called the Austrian-Hungarian Empire. It's also known as the Habsburg Dynasty because the family that ruled that empire was known as the Habsburgs. Okay, So now you had a whole group of these white Christians in Europe. There were Muslims there too. <coughs> Excuse me. And they're treating everybody, you know, remember this noble system and commoner and, and everybody's these different ethnic groups and gypsies and all this stuff. And everybody's being slotted into these different places and, and people want independence and, and there's fighting and, and you know, uh, people fighting for their freedom and so forth, you know, their political freedom. All this stuff is going on. And then somebody shoots this emperor guy in the upper class. And again, I don't want to use the wrong name there, but you look it up uh, in Sarajevo, all right? And because of treaties, uh, political treaties that were signed between the Serbs and Russia and Germany and this one and that one and so forth, we get into World War I. Okay? So this is basically a whole bunch of Christians fighting each other again over control of the world. Okay? So this is 1914 to 1918. All right? So they fought over these different zones, who was going to control them. And then in 1918, they signed the armistice on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month of 1918. And this just leaves everything a political mess, all right? And uh, there's a pandemic, a flu pandemic, kills a whole lot of people. I mean, we're in a pandemic right now, right? So the last really major worldwide pandemic of this kind of thing that's going on would be about 100 years ago, all right? There were other pandemics, but in my lifetime, I think of the 1918-1919 pandemic. And, and, and just as a little caveat, they call it the Spanish flu, but there are historians who say it actually started in the Arkansas area of the United States. You can go research that. I don't have time to get into that tonight, and it's not on our topic. All right, so uh, we have the interwar years from 1918 with the armistice until 1939 when officially World War II starts. And it's during that time 
uh, that we get the rise of fascism. I've mentioned this before with Ger- Italy first and then Germany. Italy decides around 1935 that they're going back over to Ethiopia, but this time they bring uh, gas, okay? They gas the Ethiopians. They, you know, and again, they outgun the Ethiopians. You know, they've got the, you know, all of the technology that they, they developed fighting in Europe, okay, and what have you and so forth during World War I. And basically, Haile Selassie, who was emperor at that time, he leaves. He goes to the League of Nations. He goes before the League of Nations, and he says, look, Ethiopia is a member of the League of Nations, and a League member is attacking us. You know, y'all need to do something. But because the Christians had made this white supremacy deal in 1885, they stuck to the deal. And they allowed Ethiopia to just go ahead, I mean, uh, the, the attack, Italy, to go ahead and conquer Ethiopia. And Haile Selassie walks out of the U.N., bam, he's done. All right? So if you're reading about Haile Selassie walking out of the U.N., that's why. He was a member, but these white supremacist Christians said, well, we are Christians first, white supremacists, and we're going to let this white supremacist Italy, they're Catholics, but they're one of us, and they're going to go down there and conquer these non-white people, even though these, the Ethiopians were also Christians, all right? The Ethiopian Coptic Church, anybody ever heard of that name? All right, so then we get into World War II. And once again, this is the second war of empires fighting one another. We've got the uh, 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 Japanese Empire, okay? And I don't have time to get into all of that. We've got the U.S., which is not actually a, 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 a declared empire, okay? But, you know, they're out there supporting their white supremacy Christian people and Christian brothers out there against the Nazis, okay, for whatever reason. And guess what? There were American banks that were financing the Nazis up to the run-up of World War II. Chase Bank comes to, comes to mind. Do your own research, okay? All right? Because the Nazis made a deal with the Roman Catholic Church. It was called a concordate, okay? That's Pope Pius XII, if I'm not mistaken. You can look that up, okay, that if the church would support the Nazis, that the Nazis, the church would give them a free hand, basically exterminating people of the Jewish faith, okay? And this is why after World War II, there were many fascists from Italy and Germany that the, uh, the Pope in Rome and the bishops and cardinals gave them passports, diplomatic passports under the Vatican, and, and, and money and what have you and so forth, whatever kind of assistance, and many of these people wound up in, in South America and Central America and so forth and so on. Okay, and again, you can look that up. Okay, so now, so we're 1945. We're going to take our second commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk about 1861 to 1865, and we're going to get into why it is that these statues suddenly are all over the United States 30, 40, 50 years after the Civil War was fought and lost, okay? Think about that. These things showed up in the 1880s and the 1890s. Why? It has to do with Christianity and white supremacy. I am Dr. Richard Gladiator Johnson, the Dapper Don of Spiritual Kung Fu, often imitated, never duplicated. This is the PowerPoints of Victory Radio Podcast, broadcasting on the Survivor Radio Christian Network. We do radio, 2 million downloads strong. Me and your engineer tonight, Rosalind Cooper. Roz, you got the help. Don't go away, folks. We'll be back. We're going to get into the meat of the matter now that you understand what's led up to all of this white supremacy mindset amongst white Christians. 
Raj, you got the helm. a content creator, social media socialite, influencer, or simply love to record current events, you need the joystick. The joystick is an essential tool for every type of digital content creator. It holds two or more mobile phones or tablets, allowing users to stream and record hands-free on multiple apps simultaneously. And it's lightweight and portable. For more information or to purchase your joystick today, visit our website at www.joystick.com. Do you have tax issues, owe back taxes, or need tax relief? Contact L&B Tax Service today. L&B offers you over 15 years of expertise and first-class tax service for individuals, professionals, and business owners. With nationwide service, you can easily find a location near you. Contact one of our tax professionals through our website, lbtaxservice.com. That's www.lbtaxservice.com. L&B Tax Service Incorporated. Tax professionals that you can trust. Do you have a business, product, service, or an event coming up? Is your current marketing getting you nowhere? Survival Radio Network is an award-winning network with over 1 million downloads. We're offering high-exposure 30-second spots on our network, reaching diverse demographics both locally and nationwide. Give us a call at 323-977-8172 or visit our website at www.survivalradionetwork.us today. SRN, we do radio. The SRN. All right, well, this is tonight's podcast. We're talking about uh, statues. You get my paper, so we've got the right title going on out there. Okay, so it's uh, 19 June 2020, Conservatives versus Liberals, the fight over statues and flags. And once again, we wanted to bring clarity so that people understand what is going on. You know, why, why is it? My question is, what does the Bible say about these things, and why are these people holding on to these, this, these, you know, why are conservative Christians not saying, yes, take them down, slavery was wrong, uh, these statues are wrong, the Bible talks about equality, you know, you know, what have you. People talk about the Lord's Prayer. I don't think there's a church service in America that follows the Bible that at some point during the, the Sunday service, they don't recite the Lord's Prayer, what they call the Lord's Prayer. There is a line in there that says, "As let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay. Now, what does the Bible say about equality? Go to the book of Galatians, chapter 3 and verse 28. It's bold brass. It says there's neither Jew nor Gentile, male nor female, bondsman or slave in the kingdom of God, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. One means we are all equal in Christ Jesus. I mean, let's think about it. Your body is all one. Would you give more value to a foot than you would, say, your hand? 
okay? When you feed your, when you, when you eat, does the body say, well, we're not going to give uh, equal distribution of, of the blood supply as best we can to the foot as they would out to a hand? Think about it. The body operates as one. So when scripture says one, that's what it means. One, equal. Where the body goes, you don't walk left and then leave your hand to the right, do you? When you walk left, everything goes over there. Okay? So let's take a look at something here. Uh, what does the Bible say about flags? What does the Bible say about statues? Let me just kind of jump on that right quick. Well, the first commandment clearly says that we are not to have any graven images. What does that mean? That means basically no statues, no flags, no crosses. You know, people got crosses tattooed and all this other stuff. All of these things are violation of the first commandment, okay? Just because people do it as a tradition doesn't mean it's not a traditional violation of the first commandment. So when someone has an objection to a flag or has an objection to a statue, they're standing on spiritual ground because the Bible says no graven images because a flag represents a political or earthly thing. And you go to Romans 8, it says if you're going to walk in the flesh, walk in the flesh. If you're going to walk in the spirit, walk in the spirit. You can't do both. So when we go to the Old Covenant and the people were out on the battlefield and they had banners, those banners were not flags to a country. They were flags saying that they walk with that eternal force out there. They were waving the flags to call down the power of that eternal force because those flags represented that eternal force. Confederate flags do not represent an eternal force. They represent a time in America going back to its inception in 1619 when the first set of people came over here that people who were colored, remember right, this is why I went through this thing about white supremacy and Christianity, you weren't white, you were automatically inferior. Okay, so, so, so let's talk about what does the Bible say about bowing down and kneeling and so forth. Well, you can go to the book of Daniel. It's either chapter three or chapter six. There's three fellows, Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego. And this king, uh, you know, whatever title he may have had, says, here's this statue. And whenever the music plays, you got to bow down to this thing. And these three fellows said they're not going to bow down. And they were put in this oven. King made the oven so hot that the fellows who threw him in there, according to the Bible, they got burned up. And them fellows was inside that oven, and the Bible says when the king was looking through the flames, he saw four people. He asked the guys with him, you know, hey, hey, didn't we put three fellows in there? Uh, yes, sir. Well, how come I see four? So he called them out. And Scripture says when they came out, they didn't even smell like smoke. Okay? So clearly... We're not supposed to be bowing down to a flag, and we're not supposed to be bowing down to a statue. So if people have a problem with a statue, as a Christian, you're not supposed to have an opinion because you shouldn't be fooling around with statues to begin with. Hello, somebody. And I don't want to hear about patriotism because either you're walking in the flesh or you're walking in the spirit. And the minute you say you are a Christian, you're supposed to be walking where? One, two, three, everybody, walking in the spirit. Am I right or wrong? Okay. All right, so give me a second. I got a little, a little uh, device here I need to open up. I'm going to be reading an article that's going to give us some information about where these statues came from, all right? 
And um, I've got other information here, but we don't have enough time left because, you know, I just I want to make sure that we, we get the harder matter in. All right. So we want to know where these statues came from. Know where they came from, that you can understand that it's stupid for Christians to say, yeah, uh, this is part of our heritage. If it's part of your her- heritage of what? Slavery? Let's talk about it. All right. This is from the website National Public Radio. It's an article published August 20, 2017 at 8.31 a.m. And the author here is a gentleman named Miles Parks, okay? And it's, it's in their politics section, NPR politics, all right? So you can look it up. Okay, so um, let me just try to very quickly read through this. It says, as President Trump doubled down on his defense of Confederate statues and monuments, remember now this is 2017, all right, so this is like three years ago, right, almost, Uh, doubled down on his defense of Confederate statues and monuments this week, he overlooked an important fact noted by historians. The majority of the memorials seem to have been built with the intention not to honor fallen soldiers, but specifically to further the ideals of white supremacy, okay? More than 30 cities either have removed or are removing Confederate monuments, according to a list compiled by the New York Times, and the president said Thursday that in the process, the history and culture of the country was being ripped apart. Now, let's pause there. So when we have black scholars and African-American people saying that racism is is, is is weaved into the fabric of the United States, here's some of the proof. Because here is a president saying what <clears throat> that in the process, the history and culture of the country was being, quote, unquote, ripped apart. Groups like the Sons of Confederate Veterans defend the monuments, arguing that they are an important part of history. One of the leaders of that group, Carl V. Jones, wrote, a letter on August 14th condemning the violence and, and quote-unquote bigotry displayed in Charlottesville, Virginia. But he also denounced, quote, the hatred being leveled against our glorious ancestors by radical leftists who seek to erase our history, unquote. Okay? So remember I did a three-part series that the 2020 Democrats are actually closer to God. See? But now people who are walking closer to God are being called leftists by people who you, you go to the Bible, it doesn't back up what they're doing, even though they hold the Bible up and say they're Christians. All right, getting back to this, this, uh, this, this document. The letter to compatriots, quote-unquote, was signed the day before Trump's raucous press conference in which he also cast blame on what he called the alt-left, uh, quote-unquote, comments for which he faced criticism from business leaders, nonprofits, and members of his own party, among others. Yet many historians say the argument about preserving Southern history doesn't hold up when you consider the timing of when these quote-unquote beautiful statues, as Trump called them, were actually installed. Quote, most of the people who were involved in erecting the monuments were not necessarily erecting a monument to the past, said Jane Daly, an associate professor of history at the University of Chicago. Quote, but were rather erecting them towards a white supremacist future, unquote. The most recent comprehensive study of Confederate statues and monuments across the country was published by the Southern Poverty Law Center last year. That would be 2016. A look at this chart shows huge spikes in the construction twice during the 20th century. 
in the early 1900s and then again in the 1950s and 1960s. Both were times of extreme civil rights tension. In other words, these were both periods of time when people of color in the United States were saying, we want political equality in the United States based on a constitution that starts out saying all men are created equal. All right, and then they have a little, a little graph which shows two spikes. The biggest of the two spikes is around, and I've blown it up if I can read it, around the 19, 1910, just before World War I, from 1900, 1910, and then through about midway through the, the First World War. And then the next spike, and again, i got to blow it up, basically it is like 1955 through about 1969. Okay, and that would be about the time of the, the civil rights movement of the 1960s. Okay, moving on. In the early 1900s, states were enacting Jim Crow laws to disenfranchise black Americans in the middle part of the country. The civil rights movement pushed back against that segregation. James Grossman, the executive director of the American Historical Association, says that the increase in statues and monuments was clearly meant to send a message. Quote, these were meant to create legitimate garb for white supremacy, unquote, says Grossman. Why would you put a statue of Robert E. Lee or Stonewall Jackson in the year 1948 in Baltimore, Maryland? Baltimore, Maryland, Maryland fought on the, on the northern side. Some people fought for the south, but it was a northern state for my international listeners. They fought against the Confederacy, against uh, the people who hold that big uh, stars and bars, Confederate flag, okay? So there's no business with a Robert E. Lee statue being up there except for white supremacy. Grossman was re referencing the four statues that came down earlier this week in that city after the violence in Charlottesville, Virginia, when a counter-protester was killed while demonstrating in the action in Durham, North Carolina, where a crowd pulled down a Confederate statue themselves. The mayor of Baltimore ordered that city to remove its statue in the dead of night. Quote, they needed to come down, said Mayor Catherine Pugh, according to the Baltimore Sun. My concern is for the safety and security of our people. We moved as quickly as we could. Thousands of Marylanders fought in the Civil War, as NPR Bill Chappelle noticed, noted, but nearly three times as many fought for the Union as fought for the Confederacy. Still, in 1948, the statues went up. Who erects a statue of former Confederate general on the very heels of fighting and winning a war for democracy. Now, let me pause there. Who did they fight? The Nazis that I was talking about, the German Nazis and the Italian Nazis. So when you hear anti-fa, this means anti-fascists. So the first set of modern-day anti-fascists was the millions and millions of Americans who joined the Marines, joined the Navy, joined the Air Force, joined the Army to fight the Nazis in Europe. They were all anti-Nazis and anti-fascists. So if you were calling people today anti-fascists, what does that make you? If I'm anti means against. So if you say anti-fascist and you're calling me an anti-fascist, then you're calling yourself what? I think you're calling yourself a fascist, but that's just me. Getting back to the article. <clears throat> Uh, 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 who erects a statue of former Confederate generals on the very heels of fighting a winning war for democracy, writes Daly, in a piece for a Huffington Post, the Huff Post, referencing the just-ended World War II. 
People who want to send a message to black veterans, the Supreme Court, and the President of the United States, that's who. Statues and monuments are often seen as longstanding permanent fixtures, but such memorabilia take effort, planning, and politics to get placed, especially on government property. In the interview with NPR, Daly said, it is impossible to separate symbols of the Confederacy from the values of white supremacy. In comparing Robert E. Lee to President uh, George Washington and Thomas Jefferson on Tuesday, President Trump doesn't seem to feel the same way. Okay? Um, Let's move along. We're almost short of time. I want to make sure that I cover everything here. We're pretty close to the end, so let me go ahead and finish this. Bear with me, folks. Daly pointed to an 1861 speech by Alexander Stevens, who would go on to become vice president of the Confederacy. Quote, our new government's foundations are laid, its cornerstone rests upon the great truth that the Negro is not equal to the white man, Stevens said in Savannah, Georgia, that slavery condition, uh, slavery subordination to the superior race is the natural and normal condition. To build Confederate statues, says Daly, in public spaces, near government buildings, and especially in front of courthouses, was a power play meant to intimidate those looking to come to the seat of justice or the seat of the law. I think it's important to understand that one of the meanings of these monuments when they're put up is to try to settle the meaning of the war, Daly said, but also to shape the future by saying that elite Southern whites are in control and are going to build monuments to themselves effectively. And those monuments will endure whatever is going on around them. Uh, and those monuments will endure, and whatever is going around them will not. And that's the conclusion of that article. So I've got a few minutes left. And the question, the purpose of tonight's podcast is once again, I'm a man, I walk with God through Scripture. John 1, verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. But I don't walk as a Christian because Christianity inherently is white supremacist, as I explained and demonstrated during the first part of this tonight's podcast. The issue is, since the United States has come to another pivot point moment, why is it that people who are white conservatives, and many who may be people of color who are conservatives, want to maintain the worship of statues, because if you don't want to take it down, you're worshiping that statue. The worship of a flag, you got a problem when NASCAR says we don't want no Confederate flags around here. And the worship of a mindset and a culture that the book that you claim doesn't support. And I'm going to close out on this thought. How many people know that Jesus Christ was not that white guy that you see in those pictures or that white guy that you see they put up on these statues on these crosses. I've done podcasts on that. Very simple question. Book of Ruth. Ruth was a Moabite. Okay? She was a Moabite. Abraham came from Ur, which is now southern Iraq. That's where it is. So... If these people came from non-white parts of the world, how could Jesus have been a white man? I say again, Christianity is endemically a white supremacist religion. This is not about walking with a religion or walking with a church or your pastor, your party, or your pope. 
This is about walking with God. God doesn't have a color. He's a spirit. And God loves everybody, regardless of your walk. And by that I mean he's not splitting off women. He's not splitting off gay people. You know, he's not, none of this stuff is happening. So I'm closing out tonight's podcast. Remember what I always say. Don't let anybody who's given up on their dreams talk you into giving up on yours. And especially in this day and age, study this book for yourself. Jesus said, when people are doing wickedness, walking in the flesh, we need to come from amongst them in order to walk in the spirit. God bless you. Stay safe. Wear your masks. Good night, everybody. Good night, Roz. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.